tonight. Uh, we have a few that are out sick tonight, and uh, some that are with the sick that just push through it and appreciate everyone, everyone's effort tonight. But would you stand with me? We're going to go to the word of the Lord. Amen. I'd like to turn your attention very quickly to the book of Luke, chapter number one. Amen. Luke chapter number one. And we'll begin reading with verse number 26. If you have it, say amen. amen. And, uh, this, is, this is a story uh, that we typically read around Christmas time. Uh, but there is, I don't believe it's just a Christmas story where it's only relegated to a particular season of life. Uh, but there's something I want to uh, extract from this uh, passage here tonight. And uh, Luke chapter number 1 and verse number 26. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son. And thou and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, how shall this be? Seeing I know not a man. And the angel answered and said unto her, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee. And the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For with God nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. And just for a few moments tonight, amen, I want to preach about on this thought, the disruption of destiny, the disruption of destiny. Amen. Let's pray one more time and let's all together lift up our voices and ask the Lord to talk to us. God, we lift you up here in this place tonight, God. I am praying, God, that at this particular juncture in this service tonight, God, that the anointing of the Holy Ghost would begin, God, to move upon every heart and every mind, every soul under the sound of my voice tonight, God. I pray, Lord, for there to be a surge of power and anointing, God, and I pray that there would be revelation and understanding tonight god i pray you would use me lord as the vessel of honor and speak to your people tonight god we give you the glory and the honor lord we give you the praise and the worship 
In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Can be seated tonight. Amen. This story represents a divine disruption in the course of human history. And as such, my title tonight is The Disruption of Destiny. Disruption is defined as the interruption of an event, activity, or process. Disruption can be synonymous uh, to the word interruption, uh, which has a largely negative connotation. But for business use, the term disruption takes on an entirely different meaning. Uh, really, the term disruption took off with Clayton Christensen's 1997 book called The Innovator's Dilemma. And in this particular book, uh, Mr. Christensen, uh, Christensen uh, introduced the idea of disruptive innovation. This was a term that he coined uh, during this uh, particular time in American history. And from this uh, thought uh, would it would come from it many different uh, quote unquote disruptors in business and in the uh, in the world in the society at large. Uh, but it was Christensen that introduced this idea of disruptive innovation. He used this phrase as a way to think about successful companies not meeting customers' current needs uh, and anticipating their unstated or future needs. And he began to try to build upon this idea of what it means to be a disruptor and, and what the term disruption means and, uh, and the importance and the relevance of disruptors in business, in the business world. Uh, in his words from a Harvard Business Review article, he wrote, he explains, disruption describes a process whereby a smaller company with fewer resources is able to successfully challenge established incumbent businesses. In other words, the underdog of society, the underdog of the business world, uh, would find a niche, would find a, an unmet need, and would begin to uh, utilize a scarce resource to, to satisfy that need. And as such, they would disrupt uh, the game as it was played in business. Uh, this similar thing, if you will, happened as Jesus Christ came into the world. Amen. He was the divine disruptor. And it was his destiny to disrupt uh, the course of human chronological history as it would go through the process of time. Uh, we exist on this chronological time frame. Uh, today is Wednesday and tomorrow is Thursday. And in a couple of days it will be from then it will be Saturday. And we go through life on this chronological time frame. But God does not exist on the chronological time frame that you and I exist upon. He exists outside of our chronological uh, understanding of time in a chirological uh, sphere of time. It is a it is something that the chirological time frame in which God exists is something that interjects itself in a moment in a person's life. And when Jesus Christ came into the world, amen, some thousands of years ago, it was a chirological moment where God began to divinely intersect with the course of human history. And human history would no longer be the same 
anymore. It was the disruption of destiny, amen, making its entrance into the world as we know it. And it would, this world would never be the same again. It would never be the same again. But Mr. Christensen, Christensen would go on to talk about disruption. He would say specifically as incumbents would focus on improving their products and services for their most demanding and usually most profitable customers. They were focused on something that they thought was so important uh, that uh, entrance Interests that proved disruptive began by uh, successfully targeting those overlooked segments. So in business, there would be a disruptor that would uh, find a small group of people that did not have their needs met. And they would try to satisfy that need. uh, And they would try to build upon uh, what their their talents and abilities that they had. and, And in the process of doing this, they would disrupt the business world. Entrants that prove disruptive begin by successfully targeting those overlooked segments and gain a foothold by delivering a more suitable functionality, frequently at a lower price. Uh, and I know this is church and I'm talking a little bit about business tonight, but there are there are parallels that you can gather from this this thought of disruptors in business and there's there's like I mentioned a moment ago Jesus Christ came to disrupt amen the course of human history not in a negative sense to destroy humanity not to destroy a person's life amen but to meet a need that the rest of the world was not meeting for you Amen. Jesus knows you better than you know yourself. And he saw, amen, every sleepless night. Amen. When you when you realized at night that my psychiatrist can't help me, my pharmacist can't help me, my, my friends can't help me, there's still something on the inner recesses of my soul that's not being met, a need that's not being met. And Jesus recognized there's a void in your heart, Sister Gina, that the world can never fill. Amen. There's a void in your heart, friend, today that the world cannot fill. There's a need in your life that the world cannot meet. And only a God that recognizes that need, only a God that can intersect the chronological course of your life and make his divine entrance onto the course of your life to the stage of your life could meet that very need that you thought nobody else could meet tonight. Hallelujah. These entrants further elaborate on this theory. These entrants that would uh, begin to disrupt the marketplace would move up market and they would deliver the performance that the incumbents, mainstream customers require while preserving the advantages that drove their early success. When mainstream customers start adopting the entrance offerings in volume, disruption has occurred. When mainstream customers start adopting the entrance offerings in volume, then disruption has occurred. Amen. It is one thing to say that I came to church 
and I got the Holy Ghost and I got baptized and God did a work in my life. But uh, if God does not continue to work in your life when you leave this building, then God did not completely disrupt amen, your existence. You just got a little touch, a little dab. Amen. You did not get all that God has. Amen. I want to tell somebody tonight that God wants to disrupt. Amen. Your plans. Amen. Your future and your family. And not in a naked way. But God wants to intervene. And God wants to improve your life. God wants to work in your life. But you, friend have got to allow God, amen, to find, to make His way into every single area of your life. And none of us can be big and better than somebody else and say, well, God, you just don't touch me here. Don't talk about my finances, preacher. Don't talk about me giving my talents to the Lord. Amen, I want to tell you, God wants to disrupt every area of your life. He wants to get involved in every area of your life. He wants to make a change, make a difference for your life. And just as Jesus came onto the scene, amen, thousands of years ago, amen, there was the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Sanhedrin and all of the religious groups of that day thinking that they were meeting the spiritual needs of the people, amen. But Jesus recognized, amen, they're just talking about surface stuff and they've gotten away from their hearts being intertwined with the Spirit of God. There is a need in their life, and I've got to come, and I've got to move. There is a need in this world that only Jesus can feel. Hallelujah. We want to relegate the workings of the Lord, amen, to just Wednesday nights and just to Sunday mornings. And maybe even if we feel a little bit going beyond going the extra mile on a Monday night prayer, amen, but don't talk to me about my Saturday mornings. Don't talk to me about my Friday nights. Don't talk to me about having a personal prayer life and allowing the Lord to work in every area of my life. God wants to get all wrapped up, tied up, tangled up in your life. God wants you to get involved, intimately involved in a relationship with Him. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Because what you're already having going on in your life is not meeting the need in your life. God wants to make His way completely into our lives. And that is the beauty of this praying and fasting chain. Because throughout the days I'm thinking about the Lord. Because my stomach is talking to me. And I think, oh yeah. The Lord, I'm fasting. But it, God is speaking again. And you're thinking about Him. Whereas before you could go through your day and everything's good. You're going out to lunch, having a great time and going shopping and doing this and doing that. And, and oh, look at the time. It's time to go to bed. Oh, Lord. Well, thank you, Lord, for another day. And God says, no, I want to be involved in the every, every area of your life. I, I want you to think about me. I want you to, to dwell upon me, to meditate upon me. Uh, essentially, this theory of disruption uh, his theory worked to explain how small companies with minimal resources were able to enter a market and displace the established system. This particular 
individual Clayton Christensen introduced this idea of disruption, disruptive innovation. How small companies with minimal resources could do big things and could reach for uh, the, the, the stars, if you will, and just uh, make their way into the, the larger marketplace, having less resources and not the best quality of equipment, and so on and so forth. But what it speaks to me tonight is that there is the possibility that God can use something that's small, that others deem insignificant. God can use something that other people can look at your life and say, well, they're, they're a throwaway person. Uh, they're not that valuable. And so on and so forth. The world will discredit you. And God looks at us and says, I can use an obedient, sensitive vessel that will yield themselves to the working of the Holy Ghost. Can I tell you tonight, and may even remind you, we're not a large church in number tonight, but if there's just a few of us that get a hold of God in prayer, in fasting, in the study of the Word, and being faithful to church and giving, and do everything we know to do, God can use what the world deems insignificant. God can use what the world deems as nothing, as invaluable. Amen. God says, if they'll just let me get involved in the middle of everything, I will use them. And I'll transform the world. I just need a few people to get involved. You say, well, we don't have a whole lot of people. It's all right. Just give me a few. Amen. People that are red hot on fire for God. Amen. Givers unto the Lord. And just watch what God will do in an apostolic holiness church of people that are obedient and submitted to the voice of God. It still is possible, amen, for even a church such as Abundant Life Center in a building that only houses 75 chairs in a city of some 22, 24,000, amen, citizens. God can use, amen, this church to reach not just Latham, but San Joaquin Valley by the power of the Holy Ghost. Because God specializes in disrupting, amen, the known processes of human existence. And God can work with what you've got in your arsenal tonight. God can do it. Someone say praise the Lord. Someone shall I believe it. Hallelujah, let's worship Him in this place tonight. I give you glory. the one that specializes amen in taking something that is the world deems insignificant and impotent and God can take a vessel and fill it full of the power of the Holy Ghost and it will change the world amen therefore is any wonder that in the book of Luke chapter number one we read about the Lord amen depositing a destiny into a baby amen that was born to a virgin Mary amen that was not even married to the, the man Joseph God chose something amen that the world deemed illegitimate the world deemed insignificant the world deemed impotent amen he didn't come in the clouds of gold 
He didn't come to a, a, a mommy and a daddy that was already married. He didn't come to a, a family that had wealth and all the finances and all the funding. But he came to a lowly, a little virgin Mary. Amen. He didn't have a whole lot to remain. Amen. But what she had was she had an obedient, submitted spirit that God could use. You say, prove it to me, Pastor. Amen. Verse number 38, Mary said, after the angel spoke all the words to her, amen, that she probably could not believe in her flesh, Mary said, behold, the handmaiden, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. There's got to be simple, amen, submission that says, God, whatever you speak to me, no matter if I think it's outlandish or far out or crazy, no matter what it is, God, you can use me. If you look at my life, Lord, and you say that I'm worthy, if you say that I'm able, if you call me a man of valor, then that's what I'm going to be by the grace of God. And Mary had that submitted spirit. Behold the hand of the Lord. Be it unto me according to thy word. Even though I have not got it figured out. Even though I've got questions. More questions than answers. And I've never heard of this happening before in my life. It's impossible. And all the things that would go through her, her mind. She said, behold. Here I am, Lord. Whatever you say, God. And there has to be that in this place tonight. Where you and I find a place before the Lord and say, God, I, I, I'm, I'm inadequate. And all the, I'll give you all my disqualifiers. But God, here I am. Take what I have, God, and use it for your glory. Take who I am, God. I didn't come, God, from uh, some great, great heritage of my great-grandfather and, and great-great-grandfather or presidents and all this, the line of the heritage. I didn't have all that. Amen. I just had a, a first-generation father and mother that said, we're going to live for the Lord. I didn't, I didn't have all the finance. I didn't have all the, all the ability. I didn't have the best schooling. But what I have was an, is an obedient, willing, available vessel that God just says, that's all that I need. It's just somebody that will believe my word and step out in faith and follow me. No matter where I lead them, I want to be somebody that says, God, you can lead me. You can guide me. You can speak to me. And I'll listen. I'll follow. I'll do what you want me to do. Because God's wanting to disrupt this world. But it will take a church that's red hot on fire for it. A church that's praying and fasting, a church that's consecrating, a church that's giving, a church that's that's lending their talents to the Lord and, and all the things that go along with living for God. God's looking for a church that just says, pick me, I want to be on the team. I remember that when I was a kid. And I want to be on the basketball team. Just pick me, I want to be on your team. That, that's, my, that's my attitude. That's how I view the things of God. God, pick me. Let me be a part of what you're doing in the last days. When the prophet Joel says, in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and daughters shall prophesy. I look at that scripture and I'm saying, God, pick me. Let me be a part of what you're wanting to do. Don't let me be a wallflower. 
Let me be right smack in the middle. Let me be a divine disruptor with the Lord on my side. Let God use you tonight. Let God use you on your job. Let God use you in your neighborhood. This is the epitome of disruption. Well, Clayton Christensen might have coined the phrase uh, disruptive innovation. It was the king of kings who some 2,000 years ago epitomized what disruption looks like when it came in the form of a baby in a manger. Amen. From a virgin. Amen. He, he came in a lowly estate. Amen. And the world said uh, he's not. that's not the right way it's supposed to come. That's not what we think it should look like. Abundant Life Center doesn't have all the talents and all the things. Amen. All the finances and, and all the abilities that, that every other successful church has. But if they got something. Amen. They got an God has for my life. Hallelujah. Every one of you could go down the list in your mind. Some of the big companies you hear of today are the uh, the perfect story of a disruptor. You can look at a company like Tesla. How many heard of Tesla? And how many wants a Tesla? Go ahead, hold that hand high. Amen. If you've ever been to Tesla, you'll want one. They're amazing. But we're not talking about Teslas tonight. <laughs> but Tesla's a disruptor. An electric car company that made its way into a gasoline-powered auto industry and is now the most valuable automobile manufacturer in the world. Disruptor. There's other companies like Amazon. And you could go down the list. All the big ones you think about, those are disruptors. They came out of nowhere. Maybe it was a couple of people in a garage with a computer that learned how to work and meet a need. And this church, if this church will allow God to move in their lives, and, and if you get involved in praying and fasting, God will speak to you about other needs in your world that are not being met. And God will give this church the foresight to see into people's lives that your job, in your neighborhood, and if you'll get involved in the things of God, God will say, Sister Natalie, that person that you're sitting next to the school, they're thinking about suicide. Said, really? Yeah. Brother Nate, that person in your job, they're going through a divorce. Really? Yeah. And the Spirit of God speaks to you and says, Meet that need. Because the pharmacist ain't meeting the need. The psychiatrist ain't meeting the need. The family counselor ain't meeting the need. But you can meet that need. Because you got the Holy Ghost. And God will enable a person that's full of the Holy Ghost to see things. And to to be aware of things. And and God will use you. I look back on 
uh, one particular failure in my life, if I'm to be honest and transparent. I was working with a coworker some years ago in, uh, in San Francisco, <clears throat> and uh, I had this project to work with this particular gentleman. Uh, I had never worked with him before. I'd seen him in the hallway. He's a great guy, friendly. Everyone loves him. Uh, and he let me know that his wife was in the hospital with, with cancer. And I, you know, in my state that I was in at that time, I said, man, I hope everything goes okay. I hope she feels better. That's what the world does. But a Holy Ghost-filled person, which I should have been at that time, I should have said, let me go pray with her. Let me, let me be, a, let, let me reach out. Let's see if God will not heal her and do a miracle for her. And I didn't do that. And later on, as I found out, and it came out in the news, that uh, his wife that had cancer uh, signed up for, I think it's called euthanasia, uh, where it's <clears throat> assisted suicide. And she went on to be a proponent of that. And he went on to be a proponent of assisted suicide. And I thought, looking back, God, if I could have been more sensitive to the Holy Ghost, maybe I could have prevented this person from killing themselves and encouraging others to kill themselves. There are things that God will cause you to come into contact and be aware of in your world. And God will allow a coworker to say, man, my I had a coworker, and I'm, I'm witnessing to him already. Had a coworker uh, say, as soon as my uh, daughter gets off on college, I'm going to divorce my wife and blah, blah, blah. God allows us to hear things yeah. for you to say, wait a minute. Yeah. There's a need in that person's life. Yeah. I have something that they need. And God will use you because the Spirit of God is a disrupting if you will, if I can use that term tonight, spirit. God wants to intervene in someone's life. And God says, wait a minute. You're going to go down the wrong path. I'm going to send you a Sister Monica Hoyle. And you don't even know it, but she's there to save you. You're there to save them. And God, God will use somebody that is at the right place at the right time. Maybe it's someone you're working with, Sister Janet. And God says, they need to hear the gospel before I take them. They, there has to be a voice in their life. And you say, well, I don't know everything that, but the little that I know, God just use it. It still takes a Virgin Mary's attitude that says, behold the handmaid of the Lord. Be it unto me according to thy word. I may step out, God, and not, and make a fool of myself. I may step out, God, and it doesn't go the way I think it should win. And maybe I might get in trouble and all the fears and things that come upon me. But God says, I, I'm speaking to the church. I'm revealing needs in their world. Meet those needs. Meet those needs. Meet those needs. Meet those needs. And as enough of this church sees needs in our world and says, I can make a difference for that one. And for that one, and for that one, and for that one, eventually you'll look around and say, wow, look at all these people. We didn't get a bigger building. Or, or a Tesla looks around and says, look at all this money. 
Just meeting a need. Well, that's not our aim. But our aim is, can we meet the need that God has revealed to this church? There's needs all around us. And many of you have seen the need in this church. You're seeing needs. It's not a need so you can criticize and mock and make fun. But it's a need so you can pray for it. Or you can step up and meet the need. Or you can speak to that need. And you can help God and his perfect will come to pass in, in your world. And there's nothing more beautiful than stepping back and saying, I made a difference for that one. Before God saved me, that person wasn't saved. But I let the Lord use me. Look, at, there's one there. And there's one there. And there's one there. This may be a story you've heard before. Uh, but I'm going to say it anyways. There was a man on the ocean at the beach one day that was going up and down the shoreline, picking up stranded starfish that had washed up on shore. And he recognized that if I don't, if these star, if these starfish stay here stranded, they're going to all die. You may have heard the story, but it bears repeating tonight. And so this one man started from one side of the ocean, the shoreline, and began picking up one starfish at a time and throwing it as, as far as he could into the ocean. And as the story goes, another man came up behind him and said, Sir, what are you doing? He said, I'm trying to uh, save these starfish. You see, they're all washed up on shore here, and if nobody puts them back into the water, they're all going to shrivel and dry up and die. And that man that was a critic said, well, you, you can't possibly save every one of these starfish. And as, as the story goes, as I've heard it, is that man that was picking the starfish bent down one more time without responding, grabbed another, another starfish, and stepped back and launched it as far as he could to the ocean. And he looked back at that man that was a critic, and he said, I made a difference for that one. And you know what? There's 24,000 people or so in this city of Lathrop. And even more in the San Joaquin Valley. And somebody could tell you, Sister Felicia, you can't possibly make a difference for all these people. You're just one person. You don't got a microphone. You ain't got a, uh, you're not on the radio. Blah, 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 blah. But you can do something where you say, you know what? I'm going to teach one Bible study this year. I'm going to pass out. One flyer, one invitation to church. I'm going to share my test with one person. I'm going to go to the haven of peace and I'm going to teach a lady about the Lord. I'm going to do something. And you can look back on your life and say, you know what? I made a difference for that one. And I made a difference for that one. And I discovered talents and abilities that I didn't know I had. But I did not discount the calling of God. And the anointing of God upon my life. Instead, I said, as Mary said, behold the handmaid of the Lord. Here I am, God. If there's anybody you want to use, God, pick me. I want to be on your team, God. Be it unto me according to thy word. Let your perfect will be done in my life. Not just in my life, God, but through my life. Use me, God. I'm not just praying, God, bless me. I'm praying, God, use me. Let me be the one to teach a Bible study to 
knock a door to, to share the gospel, to help deliver the, the marriage that's on the rocks, to help to rescue the person that's suicidal, the person that's going to jump off the bridge or slash their wrist. God help me to find them and meet the need that's in my world. God use me today. Let me be a vessel. And I want to say I believe that as we approach 2020 with this particular mindset of finding and facilitating needs in our world, amen, there is no telling the potential that you and I have and the revival and the harvest that you and I will reap as we meet the needs that are all around us tonight. Amen. It is the disruption of destiny. And when destiny finds a person, it always disrupts their life. And my destiny and your destiny is to be used by the Lord. And it's going to come at inopportune moments. It's going to come in inconvenient seasons of life. But if you'll say, as Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Be unto me according to thy word. Amen. God will use you and I to meet the needs that are all around us tonight. Amen. Would you stand with me tonight? And would you lift up your hands as a sign of surrender? And I want somebody to just begin to talk to the Lord. Amen. One on one tonight. Come on, I want somebody to just begin. Amen. To just talk to the Lord. God, I pray you help me to be a part of disrupting the world and meeting the needs that are all around me. Give me the boldness. Give us the boldness. Give us the courage to step out of our comfort zone. Give us the courage to step out on faith, to speak words of faith. I pray, Lord, I see the hand of God upon this group of people here tonight. There is a touch of God upon this assembly tonight. And I pray, Lord, that in this time of praying and fasting, that you would quicken them, quicken your people, unleash their faith, God, that they would recognize needs, that they would meet the needs, Lord. God, raise up some young men, some young women. Raise up some married couples. Raise up some children, Lord. Then get in tune with the, the Holy Ghost, get in the flow of the Spirit, and say, God, use me. Let me be a part of what you're doing. I want to be the one to help the church to go forward. I want to be the one to fill my road chairs with people that I bring to the Lord. Come on, would you take a few moments tonight? And allow the Lord to speak to your heart. Come on. Come on, take a few more moments. Reach out to Him tonight. God, raise up an army of people. 